Santi and Carlin. Happy Monday, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells sitting in for Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. As always, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's tap in now with one of the hosts of this show, Chris Canty, joining us now on the CC call-in line. We were talking last hour about Devontae Adams' comments regarding Derek Carr, saying that he went from one Hall of Famer to another with some of the clarifications about what a rapper is supposed to say versus when he messes up his bars, kind of like when I mess up the teases and stuff like that. And he did not have the right delivery on that. But it led me to think about the future for Devontae Adams, knowing that he's going to be 30 year old, 30 years old this season, and choosing to leave Green Bay when he did to team up with Derek Carr. Will he miss Aaron Rodgers? Or will he end up actually being more successful with Devontae Adams? Well, Courtney, I'll say that I think Devontae, first and foremost, has more runway with Derek Carr as opposed to Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is doing all this posturing about when he's going to retire uh, with Green Bay. I think Devontae wanted to go somewhere where he was familiar with the quarterback, keep in mind the two throw in the offseason together, and then Derek Carr essentially is going to be with, with the Las Vegas Raiders for the foreseeable future because um, he signed a brand-new contract this offseason. So I think that's, that's what prompted Devontae Adams to to move away from Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Um, I'm not going to say who's going to miss more in the divorce or the split, but I will say I think there's more of a supporting cast in the skill position core for the Raiders than there are the Green Bay Packers. And that can only help Devontae. Hey, Chris, I've always felt like Derek Carr hasn't gotten the type of respect that maybe he should deserve in the, in the NFL. Now you look at the skill position players that he's going to have to throw to, you know, highlighted obviously by Devontae Adams. How much better of a quarterback can, can Derek Carr be this season with the Raiders with the addition of, of um, Devontae and also, you know, Josh McDaniels as his head coach? I think he can put together a phenomenal season. When I say phenomenal, I mean he can be right there with some of the best quarterbacks in the game in terms of passing yards, passer rating, completion percentage, all of the metrics that we use to measure quarterback success. And so I think, you know, Derek Carr um, is going to be right there in terms of being able to put together an MVP caliber season. And Mike and Courtney, let's face it, if the Raiders want to get back to the postseason, given what's taking place in the AFC West, He's going to have to put together an MVP caliber season. So I'm expecting big things from Derek Carr, and I'm sure the Raiders are too. They're betting on it because I don't see a path for the Raiders to the postseason without Derek Carr playing out of his mind. And unfortunately for them, they just happen to play in the toughest division in football right now. The AFC West, an absolute gauntlet. And it's crazy when you think about projecting who could be in the playoffs and who might miss the playoffs, that the Raiders could fall into that category. We're talking with Chris Canty host of Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. You said something interesting about the Chiefs that I want to dive into a little further, that they have a better wide receiver room now than they did last year, despite losing Tyreek Hill. Explain. Yeah, I think they have uh, a deeper wide receiver group in comparison to the group they had a year ago. What I mean by that is, if you look at some of the receivers that they had last year, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, I mean, clearly MBS and Juju Smith-Schuster are upgrades from those guys. They added Sky Moore this offseason. So when it comes to top-end ability, 
there is no comparison to the receiving core for the Chiefs in 2021 because they had Tyreek Kill. But I do think the overall depth in the room could end up being something that benefits Patrick Mahomes just because there are a lot of guys that can do things with the football. All he has to do is get it to him. You know, Chris, what, what was your reaction when you heard uh, on first take earlier when uh, Tyreek Hill told Bart Scott that uh, about the whole be- choosing between Miami and the Jets, and he said Zach Wilson is a dog, but he wanted to play with the, the most accurate quarterback in the NFL in reference to uh, being with Tua down in Miami. Yeah, I can't buy into that. What I took from that is there's uh, 8% state income tax in New Jersey, and there's <laughs> zero state income tax in, in Florida. So it's just simple math, right? If you're going to get paid $30 million a year, you want to keep as much of that money as you can. Let me go down to South Beach. Oh, by the way, it is South Beach. There is better weather. I'll go down there as opposed to going to play with the Jets. That's what I took that as. I don't know if that came down to the quarterbacks as much as it came down to, you know, you know the tax man keeping his hand out of your pocket. So that's, that's, that's what I read into that. <laughs> I have to agree with uh, with Chris Canty on that. Chris Canty, host of Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells sitting in for the guys. Um, when we have talked about Patrick Mahomes and his ability to be a scheme-transcendent quarterback, there's so few of them that exist in the NFL, I feel like it leads us down the road of he'll be okay without Tyreek Hill in this offense. And we were talking with Diana Rossini about this last hour. How do the Chiefs evolve from here? And we know the additions that they've made, not only with their wide receivers this year, they brought in MVS, they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. In the run game, too, they brought in Ronald Jones. So apparently no one cares about how Clyde Edwards-Alaire projects, especially as a fantasy player anymore. We're all on the Ronald Jones train. But as it as a, as a whole, how do you feel like all of these additions, knowing that Patrick Mahomes is still the quarterback in KC, will help this group not miss a beat necessarily? Well, I mean, they've won the division six straight seasons under Andy Reid, so I trust Andy Reid and Brett Beach and Pat Mahomes that they'll be able to figure things out, especially with all of the moving parts that they have on the offensive side of the ball. Where I really think the area for the biggest improvement comes for the Chiefs is what happens on defense. I mean, drafting George Carl Loftus and Trent McDuffie um, for that defensive unit, adding Justin Reed to try to offset the loss of Tyron Matthew, I think those are going to be huge. Um, Nick Bolton continuing to grow as a player. Um, you know, just getting more from Frank Clark. Hopefully he has a back season. And then Chris Jones continuing to play at an all-pro level. If those things happen, the Chiefs can check those boxes. And I think you're talking about a, a team that is not only going to win the division, but is poised to go on a deep playoff run as well. You, we, we, were la- we were in the last segment, uh, Chris, talking about if you had to choose a go-to uh, uh, fast food burger spot. And, you know, you and I have talked in the past on segments about how we like to eat and stuff. So if you had just one choice of a fast food burger, what would it be? Oh, wow, man, you put you, you put me on the spot with this one. I mean, I feel like I know what I'm getting rolling with five guys. It's it's not – five guys is a, is a solid burger. I don't know if it's the best burger out there in the world, but it's certainly going to be 
it's going to be a level of consistency that you can appreciate. Now, there are some folks that have the privilege of knowing about a spot called Cookout. Ooh, now, if I cookout. have an opportunity to go to Cookout, yeah, I'm I'm going to be there. If I see a Cookout and I'm in the mood for a burger, yeah, that, that that's where I'm rolling with. Um, also, in and out Oh, um, no, 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 no. Those will be my three. Oh, come on, Chris. You and I were been on the we same were, page. We were doing Hell all right no. till we got there. Hell Man. no. Man. Listen, hey, Courtney. What's Courtney? wrong with In-N-Out? What's wrong with In-N-Out, guys? Over, overrated. overrated I don't man. need Thousand Island dressing on on. Yes. Oh, man. Hey, Courtney, Courtney went with Whataburger, and I, I like that. And I went with Shake Shack. I'm a big Shake Shack guy. Okay. Whataburger? What's with the disdain in your voice, Chris Canty? If you want to talk about Southern chains like Whataburger, like Cookout, the one you referenced, which was an absolute sleeper pick. I wish it was on that list of nine uh, that we had on the tweet earlier. I would say that both are a very equal 1A and 1B for me, both excellent chains uh, where you can get a fast food hamburger, but... The reasoning for us behind no in and out being on our list is it's too mainstream. You've got to wait way too long. I don't know how many of you have been in a drive-through line at Whataburger. It's not fat or at uh, in and out. It's not quick. It usually takes quite some time to actually get your order. But I also don't need the Thousand Island dressing. I don't need the animal style, whatever the heck it's called, on the burger. Just give me the plain yeah, cheeseburger. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. No, I'm with, you on, I'm with you on that one. I'm no a thousand island dressing, no animal style, but I will say this, Courtney, that that's probably why I I have them rated a little bit higher than you guys, because the last time I had in and out, Jerry Jones had the in and out truck come out to training camp in Oxnard, California. Oh. So we didn't really have to wait in line. They had it teed up for us. Okay. Yeah. So that was the last time that I've ever had in and out and that that's what I remember. So yeah, I, I mean, waiting in line would probably annoy me if I'm just going to grab a burger. So I'm with you on that one. And it, it sounds style. like you had bougie. this during training camp, and probably anything would be good on your stomach after a training camp practice when you just burned 500 calories in the blistering sun in Oxnard, fair California. Enough. Fair, enough. fair point. That is an absolute fair point. No <laughs> question about it. Especially with Bill Parcells as your head coach. Man, <laughs> eat two, eat three, eat it for all of us, too. He is Chris Canty, host of Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, joining Courtney Cronin and Mike Wells. Chris, thanks so much for the time. All right, thanks, for guys, for holding it down. Talk to you soon. Canty and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Coming up next, why one of our baseball insiders has an issue with the Baseball Hall of Fame process. That's next. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canton and Carlin. Ortiz was inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend, the 59th player of the steroid era to find his way into the Hall. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and streaming live on ESPN Plus. Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells holding it down on this Monday afternoon. So there's a lot of controversy around someone like David Ortiz in spite of how well-revered and how loved he was by both fans and the media that covered him that he got into the hall when guys like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and others from the steroid era have not. So how do we feel about this? Will it potentially be a tipping point going forward for others who were a part of the steroid era and who either reportedly or you know, in actuality, tested positive for steroids and other PEDs. Buster Olney was on with me yesterday on Best Week Ever. He's our ESPN baseball insider. On just how sanctimonious some of the baseball writers have been over letting some people into the Hall from the steroid era versus others. Whenever we talk about the Hall of Fame, it's not a house of the holy, right? It's a baseball museum. (laughs) Vote in the best players. And here's how ridiculous the whole conversation is. No one ever applied the character clause, really, until Mark McGuire hit the ballot in in 2007. And that is a character clause that was originally written, it is believed, by Kennesaw Mountain Landis, the former baseball commissioner, who was a segregationist, (laughs) who worked to keep blacks out of baseball. How crazy it is that that is the uh, working model for a lot of writers. I think the whole conversation is nuts. And so we're going to hold out a few players, the Bonds, the Clemens, because they were mentioned in the Mitchell Report, probably Alex Rodriguez, where on the other hand, as I said, there are going to be people on the stage today who are going to be cheered in Cooperstown who everybody in baseball knows use steroids. That was Buster Olney, ESPN baseball insider, who joined us on Best Week Ever yesterday. Like I, I agree with him. Like the so-called character clause um, has allowed voters – in my opinion, to use their own personal bias to keep out some of the best players in the game and some of the statistical leaders. I mean, Barry Bonds has more home runs in a single season than any other player in Major League Baseball history. Yet because of the character clause and because he was on trial, which eventually got ruled a mistrial for perjury, let's not forget that, but there's so many baseball writers out in the Bay Area who will not put him into the Hall of Fame because they covered that trial every single day. I know this because I worked out there. I've spoken with a lot of these people. And it just feels to me, Mike, that a lot of the baseball writers who are a part of the Hall of Fame voting process end up using their own biases and their own perception of these athletes that they covered to hold them out of the Hall of Fame when, numbers speaking, the accolades on the field and the merit on the field should be honored by these players getting moved into the Hall of Fame. And, and for that reason you just mentioned, um, Courtney, 
That's why players get upset when the media has access to be able to vote on these type of things. They know that, you know, if if a report they know if a reporter has something against them, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds or whatnot, they know if a player they may not know if that reporter voted for or against them, but they know there's reporters out there who are gonna say no. I was there during the heart of all these issues during the steroid time and everything, and no, they're not going to vote for them to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know what Tim Kirchner said was, you know, he he was spot on. I mean, listen, obviously we see it, we saw it over the weekend with David Ortiz, who I was very fortunate to cover mm-hmm. when he played with the Minnesota Twins before he went off to Boston to really accelerate his, you know, his uh, Hall of Fame resume. But yeah, they 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 the the, the media who who are voting in this situation, um, they're definitely gonna. You, you, we I've talked to people too. I know people who have co- who are on the um, voting committee for the Hall of Fame, and not you know not only just. Uh, Major League Baseball, but in other sports too, but especially on the baseball side. And I just have had a conversation with somebody uh, the last couple months who's on it, and they said, "No, I'm not. I'm not voting for him. Nope. I've uh, I've told myself I can't change my stance. I've always voted no for voting for the uh, Clemens and Roger Clemens and the uh, Barry Bonds uh, players to go in. They said I'm not going to change. I said no before, and I'm going to continue to vote no as long as I can." Yeah, that's just the frustrating part to me. It's like you have to double down on something, even if you know it's wrong, even if you give yourself the benefit of time, that maybe you can change your mind. Maybe you can actually realize that we should be enshrining these players based on their merits. And I know I had this conversation on First Take this morning where there's a select group, a major group of baseball writers that believe that these guys cheated in that. And we know that they cheated. That's very obvious. But that these numbers don't actually, they ruin the rule books. They, this doesn't stand for the test of time. Well, fact is, the steroid era in baseball was a real thing that happened. Those were real things that happened on the field, too. Roger Clemens had to pitch games in spite of taking steroids. Barry Bonds still had to hit 73 home runs in spite of juicing. Same with Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, all of those guys during the late 90s, early 2000s, who we know and expect and suspect to have been on steroids. Now, as it pertains to Big Poppy, there was that failed drug test, which was a voluntary random thing that Major League Baseball was doing in 2003, which of course ends up, you know, spurring the Mitchell report down the line, the the, the Congress, Congress getting involved in baseball with the steroid hearings back in 2005. Like, all of that's relative here. And some will make the argument that Big Poppy took, you know, because of the failed drug test that happened in 2003, that was at the early point of his career and that he went on then to go win three World Series and hit a bunch of home runs and all the things that he did. And it was so great for his career. But if you're going to put him in and leave everyone else that is a part of this same collective era out, I feel like it's a bunch of sanctimonious nonsense that really needs to be called out because we can talk about this conversation for years and years and years. And honestly, instead of us talking about Big Poppy and what this means for Boston, what this means for the city where he won multiple World Series and kind of balanced out the power in the AL East for so many years, we're taking it back to the guys that are not in the hall right now. And you have to think, if you're going to keep the steroid era guys out and you're going to pick and choose who goes in versus who goes out, where's the outcry over players who were you know, noted racists from the 1900s, the early era of baseball, the Ty Cobbs of the world? 
How come there's no outcry about those guys being in the Hall of Fame when the character clause that the, you know so many of these writers want to like double down on? I'm sure that wouldn't exactly pass by today's standards if they were using the same criteria. It's a conversation where we constantly move the goalposts. It's a frustrating one at that. I don't think that we're any step closer to getting Barry Bonds, any of these guys who just pass their eligibility in because that veteran committee... Seems like it uh, would double down with the writers and what they think, but who knows? Maybe Rob Manfred can change his legacy uh, right now, which is cemented so heavily on the lockout and all the bad things that have happened in baseball, and let these guys in and then kind of pull a complete 180 and change his public perception. Coming up next, is it Super Bowl or bust for a team that's never actually won the Lombardi Trophy? That's next, ESPN Radio, ESPN App. ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days. An in-depth preview of every team in the National Football League. Two teams every day as we storm towards training camp. NFL Two-A-Days continues on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Canty and Carlin. This is ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days. The Buffalo Bills. They're the only team in the National Football League that's returning a top five offense and a top five defense. And it seems like their general manager, Brandon Bean, has gotten rid of anything that could potentially be a distraction. Everybody feels like the window is closing. I don't agree with that. They're still a very young football team, but now is a good time to strike for this team. Bill's got a great shot. A ton of pressure on the Buffalo Bills to get this thing done with Josh Allen. And so now the ball is in his court in terms of being able to deliver. Buffalo Bills may have the best roster in the NFL. If not that classification, it is certainly the most complete from top to bottom. So it's going to be a little difficult for us here on Canty and Carlin, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells to pick holes and poke holes in what we expect the Buffalo Bills to be in 2022. But that's what we're going to try as our two-a-day series wears on with our strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's a SWAT analysis for the Buffalo Bills, a team that was 13 seconds away from reaching the AFC Championship game last season. So, Mike, I'm going to start with you on the strengths. There, You can take this a million different directions. Where are you opening up on the Buffalo Bills? Man, Courtney, you know, this is the, this is the easiest part for us. Uh, talking about the strengths of the Buffalo Bills, I think obviously it starts at quarterback um, with, with Josh Allen. I mean, everybody talked about Lamar Jackson being a dual threat, but Josh Allen last season took another step in his, um, you know, as he cements his role as the franchise quarterback in Buffalo. Over 4,400 yards passing, 36 touchdowns, but he was also 
a threat with his feet. 763 yards on the ground. Uh, so that's just one area. I'm going to cheat and give you two. Okay. You can't, you can't knock when you got Stephon Diggs, a guy at wide receiver you're familiar with, having over 1,200 yards. You went, When Josh Allen is scrambling in the pocket trying to break free, you can't just come in and try to contain him because his ability to throw on the run to a streaking Stephon Diggs down the field makes him such a threat. And then actually, I, I, I like Courtney. I'm going three. Oh, my Defense. gosh. You're just, you're just taking <laughs> yes. all of them. I'm not going to have any at this rate. Okay, go no, ahead. No, 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 no. Hey, listen, I was going to mention their defense as a whole. When you're the stingiest, giving up uh, less than 275 yards a game, that tells you you're pretty darn good. There's nothing wrong with cop. We can copy each other because that just means we're two smart people. I mean, I agree. So it basically means by by this logic, the Buffalo Bills are winning the Super Bowl because they're going 17-0 and because they're just perfect <laughs> all over the roster. They're the best team in the AFC. They're the best team in the NFL. That's according to Mike Wells. All right, so like you hit you hit on all the strengths, and obviously I like the receiving core that they have. They might have the best trio in the NFL. What they did this offseason in upgrading that slot spot where Cole Beasley was by getting Jamison Crowder, I think that is an absolutely tremendous addition for Josh Allen to go along with Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. And last time we saw Gabriel Davis, he scored four touchdowns in the divisional playoffs against the Kansas City Chiefs. Not many... Not many things that that had gone wrong with that, and it's how high-octane this offense is. Yes, they switch from uh, Brian Dable, who takes a job with the Giants, to Ken Dorsey, a new offensive coordinator. We expect there to be some changes, but they still have a really good group of playmakers and a really good quarterback at that in Josh Allen. Okay, I'll start first here on weaknesses. So, again, it's difficult when you look at this team to poke holes in what you expect from them this year when you have a roster that truly is uh, complete from the starter level all the way down to like the second tier of depth. But their offensive line has a couple question marks, especially on the right side, because we don't know like how Ryan Bates is going to, to fit in that mix. Remember, he got the offer sheet as an RFA from Buffalo, and then they end up letting him like go try to match it, and then they match with Chicago put on Ryan Bates this year, so he's headed back to Buffalo. And then Spencer Brown, too. So neither of them have too much experience. So when you're thinking about that side of the offensive line and where teams might try to put their pass rush to try to make Josh Allen feel more vulnerable and get after him, I think that that's probably like the most realistic place to start. But not too many weaknesses for this team. I found a really hard – I had a really hard time trying to find one. What is it for you, Mike? Uh, you know what? Listen, nobody had more than seven sacks for him, so it's a great. Okay. It's great they went out and got Von Miller. I mean, forty-two sacks as, as a unit, but they don't. They did not have that guy where the opposing quarterback said, "We have to watch this guy coming off the edge." Now with Von Miller, opposing quarterbacks are going to look and see where Von's lined up at after he won a Super Bowl with the Broncos and also with the Rams. So uh, the, the inability to uh, get to the, the quarter as a dominant pass rusher. Is probably my weak. That was my weakness with them, but now it could change with Von Miller. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells. Um, that's my opportunity for them this season in acquiring Von Miller at this stage of his career. I mean, he helped when he got o- when he came over from Denver to Los Angeles last year. That back half of the regular season into the playoffs, he helped fuel their postseason run and, and their run towards a Super Bowl ring, which. He now has one of, and then he ends up leaving, joining the Bills in free agency, getting a big old bag in the process of that, too. So in those four postseason games, we think about Aaron Donald and how much havoc he was able to wreck himself. But 
Von Miller recorded 22 quarterback pressures in four postseason games to go along with uh, a playoff high 92.6 PFF pass rushing grade. That's a great stat that I like to use because I think that Von Miller, for all his body of work, you know, it's not just the quarterback pressures, it's the hits, it's the hurries, it's all the things that he does and can contribute to the defense in Buffalo. So for me, he's the opportunity there. Uh, real quick before we let you go, Mike, do you have a threat for Buffalo? Uh, you know what? Filling themselves too much. They, you know, they obviously have success in the playoffs, but reading the clippings, reading the headline clippings, if they get ahead of themselves, that, that sets them up for an opportunity to kind of take a step back. But uh, so, yeah, that that's my biggest threat is them filling themselves a little too much. All right, we're going to get to the opportunities and threats, some more of those with Steve Tasker, seven-time Pro Bowler, joining us here on Kenny and Carlin, coming up next, ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days, an in-depth preview of every team in the National Football League. Two teams every day as we storm towards training camp. NFL Two-A-Days continues on ESPN Radio. Canty and Carlin. Ian Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, holding it down for the guys on this Monday afternoon. Take a listen to this back and forth between Nick Castellanos, Philly's right fielder, who's not playing so great since he joined up with the Phillies, and a reporter in the locker room following yesterday's game. You uh, hear the blues there when you struck out and playing the game there? No, man, I lost my hearing. <laughs> so you didn't hear it? Come on, man. That's a stupid question. Why is that a stupid question? Can anybody else answer that for him? Anybody? Yeah, man, that's a stupid question. It's not a stupid question. If it's a stupid question, you should be equipped to answer it. All right, all right, I did answer it. All right, all right. The answer we should be able to answer it. We, we got the answer. That doesn't mean that I can't say that. It's a stupid question. It wasn't a stupid question. It's a legit question. question. If I heard the booze, is, 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 that's a rhetorical question. Of course it's a stupid question. Did you hear the booze? That's a stupid question. We got the answer. We're good. Thanks, guys. We're and you should be able to handle a stupid question. I did. So Nick Castellanos has not played well since he joined up with the Phillies in March. Five-year, $100 million contract. He hadn't had a hit all series long against Chicago, so that's why the boos ensued. Philadelphia Phillies insider Jim Salisbury of NBC Sports Philadelphia was the one asking the former All-Star those questions during the post-game press conference on Saturday, which took place in the locker room. Now, Mike, you and I have covered... Sports, we've been in a multitude of locker rooms, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball. The dynamic in baseball locker rooms is vastly different than other locker rooms. And you actually do have better access to these guys because it's a more casual setting. Um, what did you take away from this interaction between Salisbury and Castellanos? Well, it, it definitely took from a, from a player who's clearly, you know, it, the struggles of, are getting to him, um, obviously with high expectations and joining the Phillies. Um, you know, he's clearly frustrated and he wishes he did well. And that was probably the wrong way to phrase the question. You and I have, we've, we've probably re, you know, asked questions poorly at, at different times in our career. But if say, instead of saying, did you hear the bo- booze? You could have simply said, are the booze getting to you? How much yeah. are the booze impacting you at the plate or when you're, when you're out in the field? How much? Is, but th- just to say, did you hear the booze when it's clear? We know the history of Philly fans. Yeah. When they're upset over something, they're going to let you know. So you can't not ignore them. You cannot hear them. So the question was poorly phrased yes. in that situation. Number one rule of journalism, you don't ask yes or no questions, especially those can, that can be easily dismissed. 
like Mike said, and Mike is a journalism teacher at my alma mater, Indiana University, a professor down there, and he will be teaching this very subject to his students this fall. Yes. You've got to ask a question that will give you context behind something. So asking him, did he hear the booze? I imagine unless he heard, like lost his hearing, the answer is going to be yes. The Buffalo Bills have been in training camp for two days, and that is where we turn our attention to now. On Candy and Carl on ESPN Radio and streaming live on ESPN Plus, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, tapping in now with Steve Tasker, seven-time Pro Bowler and Bills preseason TV analyst. Steve, I'm going to start with the big one. For Buffalo this year, given the expectations coming off of last season, is it Super Bowl or bust for the Bills? Um, I, I think for fans it is. I don't think it is for the team. I think the team wants to be, and it has, they have said from the beginning, they want to be competitive every year. And, of course, since 2020, they have been, well, actually 2019, they have been more than competitive. So they, I think uh, as long as they've got Josh Allen in place, Sean McDermott in place, uh, and Brandon Bean in place, they're going to be competitive going forward. And I think, and I've said it before, they were good enough to win it all two years ago when they got beat by Kansas City by two touchdowns in the AFC Championship game. They're at that level, and they stay there. Uh, they refurbish and replenish their their roster every offseason. They're very good at it. They're going to be competitive. So I think for fans, this is their their latest best shot to make it, but I don't think it's any different from a year ago when they had everything it took really to get there. But they got to just play well on those games where it's win or go home. Uh, they have not been able to finish the deal yet. Uh, they learned from it. But they are going to be competitive for the foreseeable future, whether they win the Super Bowl this year or not. No, when you when you think about Buffalo Bills, you obviously think about quarterback Josh Allen. You know, just based being around the team and you know in the offseason workouts and everything, what do you think Josh is going to take his next biggest step this upcoming season? Yeah, you kind of seen it a little bit uh, here in the early part of training camp, Mike. Uh, he's doing more coaching now of the guys around him than he has in the past. Uh, he's telling them what he wants. He's telling them what he's looking at. He's interacting with the players between plays more so than I've seen him do in the past. And it's a confidence level with the offense, a confidence level with the guys around him, and the fact that I think – he feels like, whether whether we said it last year or not, he feels like it's his team now. And I think more so than anything, he has learned how to handle that responsibility. So I think that's the biggest thing. I think it's, you're seeing it in the way he interacts with his, with his teammates, with the coaching staff. Uh, he's taking great ownership of the offense. I think it's one of those things where he becomes, I think this last offseason, I think he has become a fixture the way Tom Brady has become a fixture in where in New England and now in Tampa Bay, where Aaron Rodgers has become a fixture in Green Bay, the way Ben Roethlisberger was a fixture in Pittsburgh. Uh, Josh Allen is, you know, is the guy who is the face of the franchise. I think, uh, you know, he's just in the midst of it all, and I think he welcomes that responsibility, and now I think he realizes what he has to do to live up to it. We're talking with former Buffalo Bills special teams icon Steve Tasker joining Courtney Cronin and Mike Wells here on Canty and Carlin. How do you think the switch from Brian Dable now to Ken Dorsey calling plays for this offense is going to affect Josh Allen this season? Well, that's a great question, Courtney. We're all kind of waiting to see. I think there's going there should be. Uh, I, I think in some ways there's going to be an adjustment. No question. I do think an offensive coordinator makes a difference not only uh, in 
you know, in the room, in the communication, in the way they call plays. But I think even casual fans will probably be able to see some differences in the offense with Ken Dorsey as opposed to Brian Dable. Some of them are going to be welcome changes. There's going to be some really cool things that Ken Dorsey will do. And then other times there's going to be some frustration as well because this is his first time. So I think there will – I don't think there will be a huge letdown or uh, a, a – a drop-off in the production of the offense, but I do think it will appear different because a different guy is going to be calling the plays. Uh, plus, Ken Dorsey's got some things that Brian Dable did not have, and Brian Dable had some things, some weapons and some pieces that Ken Dorsey does not have. So even in an, above that, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a different offense. So it may be hard to quantify what Ken Dorsey has done differently than Brian Dable, but I don't think there's any question. It's going to be a huge difference, I think, for the players, for the fans, and maybe even for Josh Allen. Uh, whether it's a positive difference, negative difference, or a neutral difference, it remains to be seen. Steve, when you, look, you, you, you think about what Buffalo did defensively, Von Miller, a guy that knows how to get to the quarterback, how big of an offseason acquisition was getting Von to help you know, chase down some of these top quarterbacks in the NFL for Buffalo's defense? I think it was huge. I mean, the Buffalo had the number one de- defense statistically across all seven major categories the last offseason. But here's the thing. They were very solid, but they were pretty unspectacular. They got to play against quarterbacks like you know, the backup to Jameis Winston, uh, Davis Mills in his first start, um, the Washington Redskins backup quarterback. They had a string of quarterbacks that just, weren't very good and they they made some hay against those guys some of them most of them are in their first start it just just the way the schedule felt and that and buffalo benefited from it defensively but they did not thrive on sacks they did not thrive on turnovers they thrived on letting the other team make a mistake and having to go the long way and while it was effective they were number one statistical defense all across the statistical categories last year it's not something that the team or even the fans would hang their hat on. It wasn't a defense that you depended on. It was a defense that at the end of the day, said, well, they, they did pretty good. Uh, Von Miller seems to have changed that. Uh, this is a defense that's going to be turnover hungry, I think. I think they're going to do a better job with that. I think the added defensive lineman and the weight and the girth that they've added up front is going to make it more difficult to push the football down the field on the ground. It'll bring up more third and longs, more long yardage situations. And if they can do that, I think the turnovers and the sacks will result, particularly given the fact that Von Miller comes in with some, some, with some pretty good cachet around the National Football League. And I think other guys up front are going to benefit from it. So we'll see how it turns out. But no question, they made a play to get more dynamic on defense, if not more statistically sound. Buffalo Bills were 13 seconds away from getting to the AFC Championship last year. That is where they aim to go and beyond that in 2022. 46 days away from kickoff between the world champion Rams hosting the Buffalo Bills. He is Steve Tasker. You can hear him on Bills preseason TV games coming up this fall. Steve, thanks so much for the time. Courtney, Mike, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. And even Steve Tasker had a little trouble there poking holes in this (laughs) Buffalo roster. It's hard to because this team had Super Bowl aspirations last year. A coin flip is the reason that we weren't able to determine whether they would have been a Super Bowl team. But now, locked, loaded, and reloaded in so many different areas. 
Yes, and uh, the be- best thing for them is they're not in the AFC West. Those four teams are going to be, you know, going toe-to-toe throughout the season with those four great quarterbacks that are playing in there. Buffalo's biggest threat is going to be Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. I think, you know, there's still question marks about about the Miami Dolphins on if Tua is that guy at quarterback. Can Zach Wilson take another step forward? So Buffalo will not have to worry about, you know, uh, not ha- not have to worry about, you know, going head to head against the Denver's, the Chargers, Raiders and, and the Chiefs, you know, twice a season. You know, that you're looking at six tough games in that division. They only have themselves to worry about and they have to stay healthy. As long as they hit that defense and Josh Allen, they're in great shape, Courtney. Yeah, absolutely. I mean the AFC East itself, they certainly have um they're at the top of it and, and they kinda have the the grasp on the rest of the division. As you said, the Patriots, probably their biggest threat there. We still don't know how Tua and the new-look Dolphins offense is going to pan out. And obviously the Jets still feel like they're a little bit of a ways away, but Buffalo could be running away with this thing yet again. Coming up next, could Kevin Durant be using the same path to win his next NBA title as he took to win his first? That's next, ESPN Radio, ESPN+.